0: Welcome to MUD 79. I'm Fearless Fred Kennedy, the creator of this totally original and in no way authorized Star Wars fan fiction podcast. If you're listening to this, you probably love Star Wars. I do, too, and have always dreamed about telling my own story in a galaxy far, far away. A story that's less about the Jedi Temple and more about those who were on the front lines. A boots on the ground story about how those living in the galaxy survive the horrors of war. That's what MUD 79 is all about. If you're new to the show, welcome, but please be aware this is a series. So if you don't want to be totally lost, start from the beginning with episode 1. You don't want to be a stormtrooper. This is episode 14, not a committee.
1: The attack on Domju was a trap. Somehow, secessionist forces lured the imperial army into an ambush and used the diversion to attack Vibus and make off with its Kenyan stores. Solomon Kwai recovers from his wounds in the infirmary and learns just how thoroughly the empire was outmaneuvered. Now, he and the rest of the 79th wonder what happens next. How will the Empire find those responsible for the attack on Vibus? Was the hollow shown in the Galactic Senate really a fake? What's the next move for Imperial Command? Let's
0: find out. His message felt protective, like he was trying to keep us safe. And from what? I didn't know. And you didn't need to. You never questioned his instincts, so if he spoke, gave insight, anything, you just shut your mouth and listen. He led us to one of the prefabs on the old parade square. I hadn't been this way since I was discharged from the infirmary, and in the distance, I could see the new main admin building. It was different than before, even more brutal than the DuraCrete shell they put up last time. They were installing interior anti-aircraft batteries too. And there were zero civilian laborers, just troopers grinding away. Orto knocked on the door of one of the larger prefabs on the square and a bucket let us in.
1: We don't need to see his identification.
0: We made our way down a cramped but well-lit hallway. The air still had that plastic hang and mondi and i fought our reflex to scrunch up our nose it tickled in the most unpleasant way we passed a few more buckets and came to a stop at an intersection with a lot of doors left and right why take a seat Monda with me we'll be out in a few minutes i could barely sit down on one of the few chairs available in the hall My knees almost touched the opposite wall as Orto knocked on the door beside me. Three taps. He waited a second, then opened the door as Mondi followed him in. I didn't see inside, but I wondered what was going on. I sat for what must have been two hours. Every few minutes, a bucket would walk past. Look alive, trooper. It was no wonder the Empire was so easy to hate with these guys wandering around making us all look bad. Here I am, some nobody in a hallway. And these guys are on patrol, guarding vital Imperial assets. And still find time to dump on me. Eat a debt bucket. I cursed under my breath the door opened as Mondahai walked out looking wide-eyed. Trooper. The LT called one of the buckets over.
1: Yes, Lieutenant. Escort the private out of the building and ensure she makes it back to the south wall to continue with labor duties. Right away, sir.
0: Bondy didn't even look back. Quiet, we're ready for you. <laughs> he held the door and eyed me as I came in. I expected some last bit of advice, but nope, nada. As I walked into the windowless room, I saw a naval officer sitting across from three empty chairs. They were behind a table. He was tapping away at a data pad. This guy was a captain. His uniform was different though. White tunic, imperial intelligence. Guy looked prim and proper. Which was standard for intelligence officers. They kept their hands clean using buttons. Occasionally a stylus if they felt particularly rigorous. No manual labor for these guys. Fear crept in as I realized this was an interrogation.
2: Please Trooper Kwai, take a seat. You as well, Lieutenant Orto. Thank you, sir. The captain was looking at the data pad in his hand as we sat down, and he began speaking. You've done quite well in the theater on Seston 4, Solomon. Earned the Valorous Service Medal during a patrol in the Bista Valley. Successfully eliminated an enemy firepoint with four quad cannons, allowing for a successful assault on a secessionist stronghold, thus enabling us to acquire key tactical intelligence on the enemy's strengths and intent.
0: He stopped speaking and looked up at me. I didn't say anything. Felt like the LT was telling me to keep my mouth shut.
2: I understand you were severely wounded during that operation. Parasitic infections? Punctured lung? He held up the data pad. Look at this, leg almost amputated. Impressive you were even fit for duty the day Camp Vibus was attacked. Was I supposed to be talking here? I sat in silence instead. Nothing to add? <clears throat> he wasn't for directive duty, sir. He was on
1: modified duties at the firing range. It was my order that put him there, sir.
2: Yes, I know, Lieutenant. I was giving your soldier a compliment. I've seen the security footage. He performed quite admirably. A testament to your training and leadership. Unfortunate things ended the way they did. But before we continue, I'd like for you to leave for a moment, Lieutenant Orto. <laughs> yes, sir. I'll be right outside if required.
0: He stepped out the door, and it latched behind him. The captain's expression shifted. His deadpan demeanor was replaced by ice-cold cruelty. You can come in now. The door behind him slid open, and two purge troopers walked in. Yep, those purge troopers.
2: I understand you've met Red and Blue. Yes, sir, I answered. Don't mind them. They're only here to ensure you're not dishonest with me. That would be rather upsetting, Private. He
0: smiled a bit as the purgers stepped around the table to flank me. They were like loth wolves, circling their prey, shoulders flexed and rolling. He cleared his throat, throat) and Red hit me clean on the jaw, like a piston.
3: Are you listening, Trooper?
0: Yes, I spat out.
3: Yes, I think we have his full attention.
2: Then let's proceed. According to what few visuals we've obtained from security cameras, you were in close proximity when Colonel Gast was killed by enemy fire, correct?
0: I nodded, nursing my jaw and checking for loose teeth.
2: Use your words, private.
0: I struggled to say, yes, sir.
2: Given your rudimentary understanding of martial tactics, would you say she was doing everything in her power to defend this position adequately?
0: I sat up, adjusting myself in the chair, eyeing Red, stealing myself for her to take things a step further and crack my skull open. I believe she was, sir, I responded, relieved not to feel any sudden new pain. Then I explained the colonel's state when I arrived at the checkpoint.
1: Keep moving. Keep
0: that she'd been through the ringer and how committed she was to retaking the central admin facility. How many of us had died at that point. How wounded she was. But that she still led from the front right to the end. Then I told him about that commando and the clone armor coming out of the doorway with the Z-6 pinning everyone down.
2: What happened then, Private? In detail, please.
0: Yes, Private Quai. Details. The Theta class.
2: I remembered
0: it zipping past, so slick, direct. Chasing off the Ark fighters pinning us down from the air. The Inquisitor leaping out elegantly and coming down faster than if she were free falling like the ground beckoned her pulled her down unnaturally the impact of her body spraying the snow with violence smoke whirled how the enemy parted but she was beyond them she was terror and they knew
2: it yet she died at their hands
0: True, I watched it happen, but I felt the need to defend her and explain that what I saw wasn't fair. There were just so many of them and still they barely contained her. What did they look like? Their armor. I explained their armor was modified, painted, brutalized, made to impart the danger they represented A distorted, walking nightmare left over from the Clone Wars. It had seen combat before. That armor, patina, previous battles, scoring everywhere. And the clones wearing it were the finest soldiers I'd ever seen. They moved as a unit with a singular mindset, no hesitation. Ebb and flow.
3: ARC Troopers.
2: Always ARC Troopers.
3: How many did
0: she kill? I told them she made quick work of them at first, that she broke on them like a wave amid the whirring of her lightsaber, just consuming them, and they fell back. But then they regrouped, surrounded her, took apart her defenses slowly. She'd redirect enemy fire, reflecting it with her glowing red blade using their own bolts to bring down even more, but they'd melt away and need to come back each time. I emphasized that I wasn't the best witness because I was crouching down trying to stay hidden, but I saw the death blow. <laughs> delivered by a clone commando wielding a lightsaber.
3: And you saw the clone's face. I nodded. And there was no indication they were one with the Force, no Jedi abilities, even subtle ones. Think carefully, Trooper.
0: I shook my head. The only one using the Force, doing anything beyond natural, was the Inquisitor. Our enemy's strength was numbers, and the willingness to bring her down at all cost.
2: What about afterwards, Private? after the Inquisitor had been killed. What happened then?
0: A mid-sized ship touched down almost immediately. As troopers loaded on, I saw that there were prisoners they'd broken out of the brig inside, including that woman who had the Zerka rifle from a few months ago. She was there, seemed pretty friendly with everyone, or at least they were relieved to see her alive. I also told them I'd been shot, beaten, and left to bleed out. As soon as I got to that part, Red leaned in close, a centimeter away from my face, studying me.
3: Thank you, Private. You have been most helpful.
0: The two purgers left the room, leaving me alone with the intelligence officer, who kept poking away on that data pad.
2: Lieutenant Orto.
0: He spoke without even looking up. The LT opened the door a second later. Yes, sir.
2: You've done a fine job with this one. Private Kwai is an exemplary soldier, and a credit not only to the Empire, but to your skill as a combat leader. Well done, Lieutenant. Thank you, sir. You're both dismissed. If there are any further questions, I'll ensure you're contacted. Have a good day.
0: We got up and left. The LT brought me back to the wall, expressing concern about the deepening bruise on the side of my face. He laughed when he found out what happened, said I was lucky they only hit me once. I must have led them to believe I was taking things seriously. It wasn't uncommon for them to break out stun batons if they weren't getting the right answers. The platoon was still working on the wall when I got back. But most of our section was already done. So where'd you two
3: get dragged off to?
0: Look at their nails. They just got them done.
3: I forgot the grooming standard.
0: By week's end, we'd wrapped up a shocking amount of work on the camp. Exterior walls were already fully built and The debris from within the perimeter was entirely gone. Work was going full steam on the new installations too. Storage facilities, shuttle and armor bays, new barracks were going up bigger than the originals and defensive towers were getting topped with anti-air cannon and heavy missile batteries. There were shuttles coming and going every minute of the day. This camp had more traffic than a mid-grade starport on a hyperspace route. It was dizzying. They'd even begun work on the bridge over the river, connecting the camp with the eastern shore. I was getting my boots on and watching the snowfall at the barracks window when our bracelets beeped. All of our bracelets. All calls were unusual. And this one was a notice to proceed to the closest public hollow terminal An address from Imperial Command would begin in five minutes. What's this shit about? Tolan was at his locker grabbing his overcoat.
1: How much you wanna bet we're about to get shipped off to some other planet while the buckets come in here and torch this whole mud?
0: We fired up the main hollow terminal in the rec room and waited. The whole platoon was in there including some clowns from the 80th. The Imperial emblem floated in front of us, that slow rotation, a clock counting down the seconds. They certainly loved
2: suspense. Hey, I wonder if they found that hollow of wack eggs getting spanked by Jawas at that brothel on uh, Seston II? I hope not. I
0: just had breakfast. The bad jokes were interrupted by the hollow of an Imperial officer, a Commodore, Heavy rank, command rank, black uniform too. This guy was army, not navy, which was a nice change. Something big was about to happen.
3: Soldiers of Seston IV, I am Commodore Pana Meldin of Imperial Army Command. As of this moment, I will be personally overseeing all military actions in the seston system with my primary focus being the current disruption of imperial authority.
0: The face on the hollow terminal was tanned and stern. He had a jaw like the hull of a Mon Calamari battlecruiser. The left side was a full bionic reconstruction with no cosmetic additions. He wore it with pride.
3: No doubt, all of you are aware of the disastrous assault on the Loyalist position in Dom and the simultaneous massacre at Camp Vibus. These failures were due to the traitorous actions of Captain Laro Balon, whose incompetence and lack of command acumen allowed multiple enemy agents to operate with impunity aboard his own vessel resulting in the deaths of over a thousand Imperial soldiers.
0: I recognize that name. The captain had given us inspection back when I got my medal.
3: His blatant stupidity led to a massive buildup of Kenyan 68 on the surface, attracting the attention of militant factions seeking to sow chaos in nearby sectors, further jeopardizing Imperial interests and threatening the lives of every citizen in the surrounding systems. Rest assured, these mistakes will not be repeated. My first act upon boarding the Star Destroyer Crossfire was to terminate his command.
0: The footage shifted to a security feed from the Crossfire's main shuttle bay. The Commodore walked down the plank of his Lombarda shuttle addressed the surrounding officers, drew his sidearm, a DH-17 heavy blaster pistol, and shot Captain Balon in front of the entire command crew, point blank, in the face, then put another few rounds into his body as it laid on the ground. The Commodore then casually slid his weapon back in its holster.
3: The Emperor doesn't tolerate such gross incompetence, and neither do I. This failure has emboldened several political and economic factions operating on Sestin 4's surface. And later today, you will receive news that a coalition of civic municipalities and former militias in the region of Hal Faken Bay have declared independence by denouncing the authority of the Emperor. They are asking other city-states and colonies to do the same. In recent days, insurgent activity has erupted across the surface. Settlements loyal to the Empire have come under attack. Mines have been raided and piracy has been reported at unprecedented levels.
0: The news all took us by surprise and pissed us off. If we hadn't been spending every second of the day working as labor crews, Murray probably would have picked this up while tinkering with his comms gear.
3: The good people of the Sestan system will not be intimidated. They will remain loyal to the empire that has already done so much for them. Before the month's end, the entirety of the 934th Legion will be stationed on the surface of Cestin IV. They will be joined by the 11416th Legion, while the 30780th assumes security duties within the Cestin Nebula. Further orders will be issued by your immediate commanders, but rest assured, traitors will be dealt with. Long live the Empire.
0: I chuckled internally as the holofeed died out cause I knew the only way the Empire handled things like this was in similar fashion to what they'd done with old Captain Blowhard on the crossfire. Every local official or merchant leader that caused us problems or had dirty dealings with any suspicious militias or mercenary companies were about to get torched they'd be nothing left but powder
1: all right troopers back to your labor assignments you heard the sergeant get moving you'll get more orders soon
0: i didn't see hefspar or gentala come in which was wild given hefspar's size but i followed orders and got going it'd be easier to talk while working
1: murray You're supposed to keep tabs on this stuff. What good are you to us otherwise?
0: You're gonna find this shocking, but the shovel and grav lifts that I've been using don't pick up much comms traffic. During our lunch break, Murray dropped beside me. I asked if he had any plans of firing up his pack and monitoring the comms channels. You kidding? If they're sending a Commodore out of a hole like this, they've got eyes and ears all over. I'm not sticking my head out of the trench. Next thing you know, you guys will be watching hollows of me getting aerated on security feed. I joked that if Staven was with us, she'd find a way to convince him. He chuckled. Then a shadow crossed his face as we remembered how great of a friend she was, even when getting all of us in copious amounts of shit. And then we joked we were thankful she wasn't here. We got back to work and waited for the other boot to drop. Then, right before we headed back to barracks, came the big announcements on the civilian hollows that Hall Faken Bay was in open revolt. Everything on the main continent east of Silent Lake was deemed hostile. A big speech played on the civilian hollow net channels. The governor of Tisbeg the largest city on the surface, made his case for a galactic rebellion. His name was Ludara Kavis. And as he spoke, I suspected he had a hand in blowing up the town of Domju, just for the sake of publicity. Even if it was full of civilians.
3: Friends,
1: mark my words. The Empire will not give us our freedom. Their vengeance will be harsh and cruel. They will strike with impunity and demand total surrender. But we, the free peoples of the Sestian Nebula, will stand strong. And we will stand united. And the entire galaxy will join us. The Republic will not fall at the hand of one tyrant's ego the people of domzu will be remembered
0: this guy was everything i hated and still do a rich bureaucrat who used their position to stagnate an entire planet it didn't matter what was good for the people the only way anything got done on Sestin four was if it lined his pocket with creds or put them in the hands of other people who were lining his pockets with creds. And in doing so, he had let the sector fall into chaos, which is what got the empire's attention in the first place. (laughs) Let's not pretend that the empire was built on morality. It was born out of frustration with inefficiency. And just like how the Republic fell due to its lax self-regulation, the government of Sestin Four was destined for the same fate. No matter how many fishermen Mr. Cavus and his cronies murdered. <laughs> and those cronies were now considered to be anyone east of Silent Lake. Silent Lake was a massive body of water that separated the main continent from a block of land that was home to the four largest cities on the surface. In fact, those four cities and the surrounding communities accounted for almost three quarters of the planet's population. All of them nestled along the crystal coastline of Hallfaken Bay. The biggest trading ports, landing pads, and before we came, the administrative hub of the entire planet, I told you, when the empire came, we pissed off the locals. a Well, these were the people who paid the locals. As the governor's speech sunk in, the commodore came onto the net with a wide channel cast. This time, he looked like a completely different person. Genuine, kind, and warm.
3: People of Cestin Four, and most importantly, all citizens dwelling on Halfakin Bay. You are being manipulated by a collection of wealthy socialites and merchant royalty. The Emperor is well aware that these devoted civil leaders, as they call themselves, turned a blind eye to slavers and pirates operating with impunity in this sector for decades. We will not charge in with blasters primed as they claim. As you watch this message, members of the Imperial military are forming a perimeter surrounding the entire region of can Bay. They're equipped with humanitarian aid shelter and medical supplies. Any citizen wishing to leave the area surrounding Halfaken Bay will be welcome with open arms, housed, fed children, given education and their parents employment opportunities until such time as the militant forces in Halfaken Bay have been neutralised. Evacuation instructions will broadcast on all open channels. Good night, citizens. Know you are protected. And long live the Empire.
0: I remembered not knowing how to feel about that broadcast. I think we all expected for things to be dramatically different right away. In a 24-hour period, We just watched the new honcho ice the old one and then found out we were laying siege to the most populous region on the planet. If there was ever a call to action, that was it. But no, we just kept putting up Duracree, hour after hour, day after day, until we were finally assigned to the bridge crew. We were grumbling as we made our way to the river's edge. And then we heard the hum of heavy duty repulsor limbs. Looked up as an acclimator class assault vessel came down on the west side of the river. These were giant transports built before the Clone War and were designed specifically to move a full legion. The along with their air support, Armor units, support troops, admin, everything. And guess what was on board? The 11-416th, who would make Vibus their new home. The 11-416th was formed in the middle of the Clone Wars, from settlements in the Kalti system, formerly under the jurisdiction of the Techno Union who'd spent the previous decades polluting every planet in the system to near inhospitable levels, which was exactly what the Trade Federation intended for my home system. Get back to work. So I had a lot of empathy for them. The Republic made a lot of promises, but it was the empire that stepped in with the environmental reclamation programs and much needed healthcare. So, The citizens of Kalti are now very proud members of the Empire. This is something that the New Republic refuses to understand. They brand every system that backed the Empire as bloodthirsty zealots who worshiped Sheev Palpatine like some sort of god. I have foreseen it. That wasn't it at all. The most ardent imperialist sectors in the galaxy were the ones left to rot by the Republic. Billions of people whose entire planets were gassed by some trade deal negotiated on Coruscant, or the people whose systems were stripped of their resources to fund another one of the Senate's endless conflicts and got nothing in exchange but empty promises, which is exactly what happened to the people in the Khalte system. And by the time camp vibus was mostly rebuilt they joined us on Seston four because 48 hours after the commodore's broadcast i along with the rest of the 79th platoon were taking up a new post the soon-to-be blaster scorched hilltop near the green death point Yesa. <laughs> A
1: full-blown rebellion in the Sestan Nebula? What does that mean for the 79th platoon? Will the arrival of two new legions be enough? Or does Commander Meldean underestimate their growing resistance to Imperial rule? That's next time on Episode 15, Bright Light.
0: Thank you for joining me this week on Fearless Fred Presents Mud 79, a Star Wars fan fiction podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you follow the show so you'll never miss an episode while you're there don't forget to rate and review us it helps grow the show and will make my contemptible harpy of a producer very happy we're available for free at apple podcasts spotify amazon music and wherever else you get your favorite streaming audio you can also listen at curiouscast.ca be sure to check out the show notes for more information and a full listing of Mud 79s cast. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at fearless underscore Fred or email me at mud79 at curiouscast.ca. This show is hosted and written by me, Fred Kennedy, and Dila Velasquez, the Harpy, our producer. Sound design is by moi and final production is by Rob Johnson. I'll see you next
2: week for more Mud 79.